Hello and welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Today, I'm sitting here with our guest, uh, Lieutenant from San Francisco Police Department. She's also the Police Officers Association Vice President. Welcome, Lieutenant Tracy McRae. Hey, thank you for having me. It's really great to hear you on the show. It's really important to hear what you say uh, about current debates on race, use of force, defunding the police, and other serious issues that are affecting departments across the country. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background there in San Francisco? Uh, so I'm a native. I was born and raised in San Francisco. I have the pleasure of you know, policing the city that I grew up in and working in uh, three districts of the city that I worked, I grew up in. So I'm forging those relationships or really continuing those relationships that I've had since I was a little kid playing basketball at Hamilton Playground. That's great. Yeah, we just we just talked off off air a little bit about how great it is and how important it is to police the communities uh, that we're familiar with and um, that that we reflect as as individuals. Now, recently, as a member, uh, as a um, uh, an executive of the Police Officers Association representing uh, police uh, at San Francisco, you worked with leaders from two other police departments in the area, San Jose Police Department and the Los Angeles uh, Police Department. You took out full page ads in print uh, and online press to highlight three initiatives on reforms that are best practices from the three agencies. Can you tell us about the three reforms? So we decided to do this with San Jose POA and the LAPPL, talking about the early warning system that we have in San Francisco to identify people who may need more training, uh, the use of force database uh, from uh, LA to identify you know, serious misconduct in the use of force. So we're trying to get the word out to say that, you know, these are going to be the best practices because everyone's talking about it, but they're just talking and, you know, we want to get the ball rolling to get this started because our prof profession, you know, is being scrutinized. Some people will say it's under attack, but we're saying, hey, we do all of this already, and it should be across the board for every police department to have these things, the use of force policy up to date, a national standard for that to happen, an early warning system to identify, you know, officers that may need more training. Because the fact of the matter is, this job may not be for everyone, and we need to know that. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great strategy to get out in front of um, some of the things listed on the uh, the eight can't wait that we've seen across the nation. You have um, uh, critics of police agencies asking for a national use of force database so that officers uh, can't avoid um, being fired and actually just hiring on with another agency. Does LAPD address that? They address that also where it's serious misconduct and it's sustained serious misconduct. You know, if you're being terminated because you have a sustained complaint for a serious misconduct, yeah, you shouldn't be doing this job and you shouldn't be doing this job at another agency either. And I think we can all agree with that, right? There's, there's, there's no gray area in that. So 
why aren't we getting to this point where, you know, we're having that standard all around? Right. Now, the San Francisco early warning system that is um, being held up as a proposal, a statewide proposal, um, that identifies um, maybe in a positive way officers who may have been showing um, some uh, trends or or um, history that show that there's something going on, maybe on or off duty. Can you describe that a little bit? So, for instance, you know, if you get six indicators, I think it's within a three-month period. So you have several uses of forces. You have complaints. You have a tort claim, uh, you know, getting sued. Like, we have some progressive, aggressive officers that are going out and doing their job, but you actually want to take a look at, you know, the behaviors. So you're getting, you know, several uses of forces. Well, why is that? You know, is it, could you do better with more de-escalation training, right? So it's the manner of way you talk to people, right? You shouldn't always have to go hands-on. There's some things you could do where, remember that old adage, verbal judo, right? You can talk to people. So, you know, like, yeah, maybe it is a thing about training because they're always hitting us about we want more training for you. You know, you want the best training for your officers. And that falls into that argument about de-policing or defunding rather, you know, so if we get money cut from the budget. Well, I guarantee you the training budget is going to get cut and you don't want that to get cut. Absolutely. it's It sort of works against what their proposals are. Um, speaking of defunding for a second, um, we talk about uh, defunding by shifting budget to other city agencies that may be able to help lighten the load. What do you, how do you feel about that, about shifting budget money to maybe public health or mental health to have a, a response from them rather than police in dealing with people with mental illness issues? Well, it's funny because, you know, we've had this issue for quite a while, right? And my adage is, why weren't they doing that before? You knew you had a mental health crisis. You know, you know, you have a drug crisis. You know that, yeah, you have a homeless crisis. So why does it take for one incident and all of a sudden you're saying, well, we're going to redirect these funds from the police department to those programs? You should have been doing this a long time ago. And so, yeah, so, I mean, on the face of it, okay, yeah, fine. But you better make sure that you're going to use those funds the way they're meant to be used, right? Yeah, there are certain calls that police officers, you know, yeah, we don't want to go on. Yeah, you should have a mental health advocate, a whole crisis team, like mobile crisis, respond to those calls, right? We will be there as backup, but if you keep saying, if we're, if we're going to those calls and we're going to escalate it and, God forbid, there's a bad outcome, then you already know you don't want us there. So make the strides to get your infrastructure in place so we don't have to. Right. That makes sense. Um, it, it, but everything seems to be a, a theory right now. So uh, I, I guess, you know, we're seeing some of this playing out in places like Portland and Seattle with these um, autonomous zones. And we've seen, I think, it. can you comment on that? It, it seems predictable that they are the way they are now. 
Right. So you see what's playing out in Seattle. And I feel for Mike Sloan, who's the union president for the Seattle Police Department up there. And, you know, it's, it's a free for all. Uh, so these autonomous zones, they, they've had shootings. You still have crimes happening in there. So how, was, how did that become better? Right. That's what I keep asking myself. How is that better for the people who are probably trapped in these zones and don't want to deal with it? Yeah, I'm going to get to that question in a minute, because it, it, there's there's there are a couple of um, issues surrounding that. Maybe we'll, let's go right into that. So um, we've okay. seen in, in Atlanta and some other um, cities uh, talk of a blue flu or um, a late response uh, from working officers. Um, can you comment on the trends um, regarding these the blue flus or their sick outs? So when cops are getting to that, where they're thinking about like a blue flu, they're upset, they're hurt, they're frustrated because they don't feel that they're getting the backing. But you have to take a step back and look at who does that really harm? You know, that harms the communities that we serve. It serves no purpose, you know, for cops to do that. There's a reason we have a no strike clause because we are that last line of defense I feel for society. Plus, you don't want to leave your fellow officers, your fellow brothers and sisters hanging for, God forbid, what if there a call happened and someone was seriously injured, whether it's a community member or one of your brothers and sisters in blue. So this is why we need to find real solutions. We could talk all day long, but we need to find real solutions for these issues that are facing all of us. No, you, you make an excellent point um, on two fronts. One, about protecting your fellow officers who do show up for work. If if the ranks are thinned, I mean, heaven forbid, we've seen already some tragic situations with police officers um, being attacked and falling victim. Um, talk about the victims not involved in the politics. I mean, there, there are a vast majority of people out there who do need uh, law enforcement to protect their not only their homes and their property, but themselves. So um, who speaks for them? I would say, and in, in we do in a certain realm, we speak for them because we're the ones answering the calls. We're the ones showing up. And although I remember when I was in the United States Army as a military police officer, the MP stood for multi-purpose because we were asked to do a lot of jobs. And it's the same thing today. We're asked to do a lot. Uh, sometimes, yeah, we don't go to school for 11 years to get our doctorate degree or our, our PhD, but we're asked to go and be that counselor, that mediator, you know, a parent calling because their child won't get up to go to school. That's a parenting problem. That's not a police matter, but we get pulled into these things because we are a part of the community, right? So they know when they pick up that phone, that we're going to show up. And can you imagine if they picked up that phone and we didn't, what that's going to feel like? And some people are experiencing that. Like you said in the chaz, the chop zones, you know, you're not getting that response. And so sometimes I have people call us because they, they are lonely. They, they, they know they, that we'll show up and we'll talk to them, right. you know? So that's part of being the community. No, absolutely. I, and I, I mean, we talk sometimes about mission creep. And 
Now, the primary purpose of law enforcement is to protect life and property. But yeah, you get those phone calls. I remember getting a call, you know, back in the late 80s uh, from a, an elderly woman who asked that we change a light bulb for her. And I don't know exactly. whether you, I don't know if you, you agree or not, if that's part of community policing or should we abide by what the critics are saying and back off completely and only respond to critical violent incidents? In, in, in that respect, it's almost a model following uh, a fire department that we sit in a station house and respond only when there are 9-11 emergency calls. Right. So how do, how do we find that balance? How do we find that balance until cities or departments get their programs up off the ground. You know, even now, we know that we're going to be responding to calls on Muni when the whole, they tweeted, you know, they wouldn't, you know, drive us, fine, whatever. But we know you're still going to call us. You're still going to ask us to use our EVOC uh, uh, place to train your drivers. We're still going to have that relationship. So people say a lot of things, but the proof is in the pudding. When the call goes out, are you going to show up? And we as police officers are always going to show up. Right. Absolutely. Well, so these are tough times for police officers, deputy sheriffs uh, across the country. What's being done as far as um, uh, advocate for outreach for mental health resources for the law officers themselves, those feeling anxiety with COVID-19, race issues, forced discussion, uh, diminishing force options. We can talk more about that. But um, now we're hearing about this Boogaloo group that's uh, anti-government, anti-police. And, and we actually have a local case where um, an individual is being um, uh, prosecuted for uh, possible murder of two local law enforcement officers. Right. Uh, so as you know, for San Francisco, we have a great behavioral uh, science unit. Uh, they've just went online, uh, did an app on the phone. So if officers are feeling, you know, like they need to talk to someone, because you know, police officers, we're not the best at maybe expressing our feelings. Um, so we have that up and running. And I would hope that other departments across the country also have that because, yeah, you guys think about it. At the end of the day, we are only human also. So we have the same trials and tribulations that everyone else has. We got our kids in school. We got our partners, wives, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, that want our attention. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully recognizing that, you know, our mental health is really paramount during this time. I mm -hmm. thought, you know, the COVID-19, you know, that had people kind of spinning out of control. And then you add on top of, you know, what's been going on for the last month to it, you know, people are going to need, you know, to talk about it, to, to be checked in on and make sure that they're okay. Yeah. No, they need the support. I mean, it's a confluence of so many different things coming at, at law enforcement officers across the country. Um and and you know now we're going back where we're right now we're experiencing maybe a second wave and so uh, there's not going to be any relief as, at least from the the COVID-19 threat. But I think right now, as far as getting out a positive word to defend or at least speak up for the issues of 
law enforcement officers, it's really rare that you have a chief or a, a sheriff's uh, head of a deputy sheriff's um, uh, department speaking up on their behalf or defending maybe uh, some of the things they do. I just saw a, an article from uh, another member from the POA uh, talking about a decrease in use of force sustained complaints by 47% in the last uh, calendar year from 2018 to 2019. Um, is outreach and publicity a strategy from the POA? Is that because um, you're not hearing a lot of other people speak up? I think it is. I think we have to be the voice. Uh, the article written by Lieutenant Sean Perdomo, who's the treasurer uh, of the POA, you know, was, was spot on. When you mentioned earlier about the eight can't wait, uh, we're doing all of that, and that needs to be publicized. It's not all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, they just thought of this. We have been doing these uh, initiatives, the, the lower use of force, all of that, the de-escalation, and people need to know about it. Uh, we're just not pulling this off the top of our head. These are tried and true practices that we have been doing and the results are showing. You know, it took us, I think we would have been on track almost close to two years with not having uh, officer-involved shooting uh, that's a long time to go without having one of that, one of those incidences. So, yeah, we have to be the voice. And it's unfortunate. You know, I wish that, you know, our chief, uh, the mayor, the politicians could speak publicly and positive, positively about what the police officers in San Francisco are doing. And we're trying to do it right every day. Are we perfect? No, we're not. But by far, I think, you know, we're getting it right more times than we're getting it wrong. Absolutely. And I, and you, you hit your spot on with the fact that I think it comes down to education to the public and, and someone needs to speak out. And it's it's always astounding when uh, you have a group going to City Hall saying we need you to stop using tasers when San Francisco police have never had tasers. Right. We, we don't we don't have those. The sheriff's department has tasers those they are the only law enforcement component in the city that has that and so are you going to complain about that will you ask them to get rid of those uh tasers you know like let's get it straight keep stop getting the uniform wrong we're the san francisco police department right we don't have tasers we're never probably we're never going to get tasers you know i i don't believe in the time that i have left that that's even going to be an option on the table. So, sure. yeah, but the outreach component, I think across the nation, um, it, someone's got to speak up for the agencies to say, hey, we use de-escalation. We teach this. You're going to defund us. You're going to hurt the training budget. We don't use the carotid. I mean, I guess there are very few agencies left that use a carotid or a, quote, chokehold. Um, so, Education and outreach needs to be a key component that any agency's um, rolling out as far as reforms. It is. I mean, they shelved the, you know, talking about, you know, the mandatory footbeats because, you know, it's about the staffing. Uh, you have Supervisor Norman E., the president of the Board of Supervisors, who wants to put a ballot measure about, you know, the minimum staffing number, uh, 1971. He wants to get rid of that but they just spent money on a matrix consulting group who said, oh, you need 
2,176 police officers to implement the programs that you want, where we're not even near that. So staffing is always going to be an issue, right? Because people aren't coming into this job nowadays for whatever the reason may be, but we're not having an academy class of 50 to 55 people anymore. That's not happening. We had a lateral class with three people in it. We've never, never done a lateral class with, three, with only three people. So staffing is going to be an issue when you talk about you want police for your certain projects that you want to get off the ground, put beats in every district. That's not going to happen. Sure, there's unreasonable expectations and a mixed message. So I'm speaking with uh, Tracy McRae, the vice president of the San Francisco Police Department POA. And in, in winding down a little bit, I'm going to ask you to predict a little bit. What can police departments um, across the country, what can we expect over the summer? What do you see on the horizon? I think we're going to have a very busy summer. Um, I think it's going to be impacted, obviously, by the COVID-19 and, you know, if the shelter-in-place orders are extended. People aren't going to like that. People want to get out. It's the summertime. So I think we're going to be very busy. Uh, I think we're still going to be answering those calls for service about the homeless, about the mental health calls. But we're still going to be showing up and doing our job, right, because we have to. We have to show up and protect the community that we are a part of. And I hope that the conversations that, you know, are starting to happen will happen at a much quicker pace that, you know, we can get these national standards in place and let's move forward, right? Let's start moving forward. We know what happened in the past. We don't want to go back there. Let's start educating everyone, not only our police officers, our community members, right? Let's start moving forward and getting these proposals and these ideas on the road so we can have a safe community, a safe police department, and we can all go out and enjoy as much as we can to live our life as safely as possible. Right. Well, those are wise words. I want to thank you for your leadership. Thank you for being on the the show today. And um, I wish you well. And uh, I, I, I like uh, the message. I like the, the, the push of information uh, in defense of law enforcement that we're not really hearing uh, across the nation. So um, uh, I hope other uh, agencies follow suit. Any final words, uh, Tracy McRae? Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure retirement is great. I hope to get there. Uh, But I just know that the men and women of San Francisco were serving with great pride We're trying to do our best every day. And for the most part, I believe they know that their union and their association has their backs. And we're just going to continue to to speak out and get our message out there so people will hear it. So thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. What do you think? What's going on near you? Is your local... POA, the the spokesperson for your agency uh, in talking about the issues from the law enforcement perspective? Are your local uh, government leaders speaking out? A couple agencies, uh, probably several agencies across the country dealing in a difficult situation being pushed and pulled between 
uh, government and um, citizens that need your help. So uh, be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what's happening near you. Comment under the podcast or write us at policingmatters at police1.com. Policingmatters at police1.com. I'm Jim Dudley. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you.